Hello and welcome to Get It Started, Get It Done, the Banyan Security Podcast covering the security industry and beyond. In this episode, our host in Banyan's Chief Security Officer, Den Jones, speaks with Connor Callahan, Lead Site Reliability Engineer for Banyan's customer, Mantra Bio. Connor has partnered with Banyan since its early days and offers some great insight into his experience with the company. We hope you enjoyed Den's discussion with Connor Callahan. Get it started, get it done. Uh, episode 10, I think, of Banyan's entry into the podcasting world. Now, uh, in this episode, I'm delighted to have a customer of ours, Connor Callahan from Mantra Bio. Connor, welcome to the show and thank you for joining. I'd love an uh, introduction. Why don't you just share with the audience um, who you are and what Mantra Bio is? Yeah. So my name is Connor Callahan. I'm lead site reliability engineer at Mantra Bio. Mantra Bio is a relatively small biotech startup based in South San Francisco, California. We're working on a relatively new modality called exosomes. So we're essentially harnessing some natural vehicles within the body to deliver medication. Mantra's ultimate goal is to get therapeutics into the clinic and move into clinical trials. Wow. That, that, that sounds, that sounds a little futuristic. So, um, in, so in your role, uh, site reliability engineer, um, you've been, you've been jumping into this, this world of zero trust or, or something about remote access, something about users and devices and things. So why don't you explain, like, what is, what does this journey mean to you? Whether you call it zero trust or not, maybe is that a good start? Yeah, and to add a little bit of context, um, I've uh, worn many, many hats at Mantra. Um, so not just sort of our cloud infrastructure, which is traditional SRE work, but also corporate IT and security. Um, so sort of a lot of different hats. Um, as far as zero trust goes, you know, what it means to me really is moving away from the legacy idea of everything on the network is trusted. So that means doing continuous verification of users, their devices, what they're accessing, um, and really taking in as many factors as we can to get the full picture of what's going on. Awesome, awesome. So when you think of the problems you're trying to solve, so like if you move away from the buzzword, right, what, what's the top problem you're, you're trying to solve? And how does Banyan help with that, that problem? Yeah, so at Mantra is sort of interesting the problem that we had was really about friction and frustration by for end users. Um, so the sort of security benefits we get from moving to a zero trust solution was like the cherry on top of the pie really is an additional piece. Um, we have been using a sort of legacy VPN product, OpenVPN, which as the company grew was getting slower, users were noticing it. They also, it's something you have to log into a lot. There's many steps involved to it. Um, and it also wasn't something that immediately made sense to them as being valuable. Majority of our end users are scientists working in the lab and they need to connect to a VPN or now Banyan to enter data, do data analysis and things like that. So they don't really wanna be having a ton of friction in those workflows since they're incredibly important to the business. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I kind of describe to people like this concept of improving the user experience, but also improving security, right? Um, and you really, very, very rarely in your career do you get to say, well, we improved security, but we also improved the user experience. And, and it sounds counterintuitive, but 
less things in the way of a user in order for them to get to their um, applications and services. You know, it's goodness for them. Um, and then in the background, you know, more security controls for us. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. So how did how did you guys, so first of all, why, why pick Banyan as a business partner for this endeavor? Yeah, and the fact that you specifically use the term business partner is super important. Um, I actually was fortunate enough to work with Banyan at the company I worked at prior to Mantra, which was Zeusk, an online dating site. Um, Zeusk had been a relatively early adopter of Banyan before the company had pivoted even into zero trust. It was more about service-to-service backend um, security mm. then. And throughout that process, I really got to know the company and know the co-founders and really understand the technology. And so when it came time at Mantra to start looking at these zero trust solutions, Banyan was already one of my top choices because I knew that the core technology was super solid and I had a lot of faith in the company and the people that were at the company. Awesome. So, it, it's it's funny, yeah, because uh, my my team at Adobe, we actually, we started talking to Banyan as well around about that time when it was service to service. And our thing was, well, that's not the problem we're trying to solve here. <laughs> you know, we're, we're trying to improve 40,000 people's experience, you know, and 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 that was definitely a, a great pivot for for us you know benefited our team at that time for sure and actually like you you know i i got to know the, the founders and the engineers and the team and it was that was a huge part of my decision to actually join banyan which was you know i i knew what i was getting myself in, into which was kind of cool um so how did you how did when so let's you know the podcast called get it started get it done so i'd love to learn a little bit about how did you start um in mantra to to do first of all get the approval to move forward with this kind of change and then how did you get started yeah so throughout my career i think i've really been lucky to work with under a lot of great leadership who put a lot of faith in everyone reporting to them to take the sort of best of their subject areas and bring them solutions so with that kind of in mind at mantra when I first started, I sort of developed a longer term security plan and sort of around the middle of that was moving to a zero trust solution. And so we got closer to that. I brought up some proposals with my boss who was our CTO at the time. Um, and she was very receptive to it. I think she very much understood the pain our users were facing and saw the benefits by moving to a solution like Banyan. So it was relatively easy to move forward with that approval. And once she was on board with that, we did an initial proof of concept with Banyan. And that's really where the get it started, get it done comes into play. Because it's one of those things where you, you know, you get set up quickly, you get your team, which in my case was our data team, so it's some data scientists and some software engineers, um, got that team running on it and myself, of course, got things tested and we eventually were using it every day quite quickly. And then at that point, we were able to start working on rolling it out to the rest of the organization. Awesome, awesome. And um, do you think, you know, so from a business benefit perspective, do you think that your CTO at the, at the end of it feels like she got business benefit, business value from the, the, the investment? 100%. Um, she definitely saw, I mean, in her own everyday work, she saw the benefit herself. Um, but she also saw the benefit that our users were seeing. This is one of the rare examples where in the 
whether it's infrastructure, corporate IT, security, um, in that world that we do something that's user impacting and we actually receive, you know, a ton of applause and thank yous and things <laughs> like that in public for this, for this type of project. Yeah. I, you know, I was, I was lucky because 2018, you know, we deployed around Adobe 40,000 people. Right. And I remember walking in the cafe, uh, during my lunch break and bumping into one of my best friends and, and, you know, he was having lunch with his friends and, and, and when he introduced me to his friends, he's like, oh yeah, this is Dan. It's his team that changed the need for you to not do your password change every 90 days, no more using your username and passwords and no more VPN. And everyone was like, holy shit, we should be buying you lunch. And, and you kind of get that level of appreciation, which I don't think in 20 years of, of my career, I had had people really that enthusiastic about any of the shit we ever done. I mean, <laughs> normally, normally in IT and security, you're doing stuff which is either in the background and everybody already thinks it's super slow anyway or cumbersome, um, or are they you know pissed off because you're throwing more more things in front of them in the name of security, which you know that is the exact opposite of what this you know the outcome of this kind of activity is, right? So it's really yeah, it's really cool. So um, one one of the things um, I, as I was doing some some Googling, I guess, you know, when I have a, a guest on the show, I always try and learn a little bit about them. So, um, and maybe this is really huge in your SRE space, but I notice you're very, you're very uh, much a big contributor on GitHub uh, with that community there. So what, what do you, what do you find in the value of just, you know, communities in general, as you're trying to apply your career and move forward? Yeah, GitHub is definitely super important, I think, in all of our lives these days, um, whether it's IT, security, SRE, whatever domain you want to say, we rely on a ton of open source software. So I inevitably end up running into some issue and end up Googling it and searching for GitHub <laughs> issues and find other people with the same problem, um, sometimes able to fix the issue and contribute a fix back upstream to that project, which is always super um, rewarding to be able to fix something yourself and also have um, it accepted into the community. So these communities, I think, to me, they're sort of more powerful than maybe a little bit controversial, but in a lot of enterprise organizations, we rely on enterprise support and kind of being able to submit a ticket um, and get one person assigned to that case, et cetera, et cetera. Um, sometimes I find the open source community is even more valuable um, because of just the amount of people involved and how open they are and how everyone wants to help each other. So you end up finding some um, project that you're using and you know 600 different companies use it. Ultimately, you're all going to run into the same issues eventually. Yeah, um, yeah. So, That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and do you also do things like meetups and stuff like that? Because pre-COVID, pre you know, that kind of community involvement for me was was a great place for me to go and learn learn from others and, and you know share you know share share what, what me or my team have been working on but also learn a lot so do, do you find yourself getting involved there i haven't since pre-covid um i did go to a, a number of really good conferences um, including cubecon and DockerCon, um and 
I've been to a couple of meetups in the Bay Area when I used to live in San Francisco. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, so now talking about, so living in San Francisco, but you've moved, right? You're Denver-based now, is it? Yeah, I was in Denver until a couple of days ago. <laughs> in Denver <laughs> okay. for about two and a half years. I just moved to Buena Vista, Colorado, which is um, a lot more remote. We're out sort of through the center of the state near the collegiate peaks so Mount Princeton, Mount Harvard, that sort of thing. Awesome. So now being out there in the wilderness, uh, does that mean that you have an interest in skiing or boarding or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I definitely love skiing. Um, it's a big part of why my husband and I moved to Colorado in the first place, um, is to be a bit closer to skiing, not have to deal with the three-hour commute to Tahoe. <laughs> so I've been really fortunate to do a ton of skiing um, in, the, in the two seasons since I've moved here, and I'm looking forward to really good ski season this year or this winter. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, great. A great choice of a uh, place to move, especially for all the outdoor activities and stuff, right? So now, now talking about this and the 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 other side of life, if you're at a dinner party, how, how do you describe your job to people that don't don't work in tech? Yeah, I've had a lot of iterations of this. <laughs> I think my favorite one that worked really well um, when I was working at Seuss, just through kind of the role, was me and my team work on sort of the, the railroad, um, the tracks, and sometimes the cars for the application teams to be running their trains on. Um, so they're responsible for, you know, maybe it's the cargo, could be the whole train, stretching the metaphor a little bit. Um, but it's a lot of really the base pieces that other people are relying on. Awesome. I, you know, um, years, years ago, I used to try and tell people I didn't even work in tech, especially when I lived in Scotland, because everybody wanted me to fix their computer. And it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not bloody workstation tech technician any longer. Right. So I'm, I, I then adjusted it when I moved to California and decided to tell people I was an igloo repair person. Um, <laughs> mainly because in California, there's not a lot of igloos, to be fair. So so people would laugh at me and, you know, realize I'm a bit of a clown anyway to begin with. You know, I've got a joking sense of humor. Um, so, yeah, so I, 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 I deviate over the years. And almost now in, in the, this kind of CISO role, I, I almost feel like sometimes our job is to keep, keep companies out of the news. Um, I mean, reducing risk is how you do it. But really, the ultimate goal is you don't want your company's name up in the headlights. Um, and so, so in the end, I've, I've got this kind of twisted version, I guess, of, of how, I, how I'd explain that to people. Um, so as, as you're growing your career, how do you keep up with technology? Where, where do you go to to learn the most about uh, how, how the world is always changing? Yeah, the, mo the place I spend the most time learning about this and I've gotten the best um, information tends to actually be Twitter. Um, I've, you know, once you follow one person in security or in container world, whatever it is, you find, you know, a hundred other ones. Um, that's the way I've found out about all of the like newest vulnerabilities, attacks, things like that. I just took my phone and end up finding it on Twitter. Um, of course, with, you know, what's happening right now in the world with the Twitter um, acquisition, we'll see. Maybe I'll move more to the Fediverse <laughs> or Mastodon and that type of thing, but haven't really gotten too into that quite yet. Yeah, it's it's funny, right? Because over the last couple of weeks with, you know, Elon taking over, 
lots of layoffs. Um, and last last I read, I think that there's their CSO, their chief of legal privacy. I mean, almost all of the executives are gone, which from an, an FTC perspective, I'm sure will will be a bit of a kind of dodgy dodgy area for Twitter right now. And I'm not even sure they've got people enough people to keep the lights on. So, so yeah. So I guess we'll we'll find out in the coming months um, what, even, what happens. Even from I think a lot of the European regulators as well. Um, things like not having a data privacy officer. You know, it's a lot of the things that, like you were saying before, keeping the business out of the news. Um, you don't really think of necessarily as being the most important people in the business, but it can also yeah. have a lot of negative in- impact. Yeah, well, maybe Elon likes them being in the news because it's, you know, yes. <laughs> you know, from a PR perspective, right? Even bad PR can be great PR, right? <laughs> so, yep. so maybe he is a controversial guy. So, you know, maybe that's that's the plan. Maybe that's part of the plan. It, for for me, on the whole Twitter stuff, it's just going to be interesting to see who's got the guts um, or who's greedy enough, I guess. Or to to want to step into those roles right now because I I can't imagine you know in, in in the executive community there's a there's a lot of really smart people uh, that might be interested to jump into that fire but it, it's 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 definitely going to be they're going to have to fill some positions so yeah we'll see we'll see how that plays out um, now in in your in your career what's what's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received and what's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever thought you've given? Yeah, this, so this is really a bit of both. Um, and this thing I think has been sort of passed on to me from you know, many people I've worked with, ultimately actually probably starting with my grandparents even, um, but really is to stay curious and always be learning. It's really easy in technology to kind of tune out for a while. And we all have to do that. We all need breaks. But being able to come back and say, what's new? You know, what what are we doing? Maybe you started a new company. Why were these decisions made? Um, don't you know, go on guns blazing trying to change things. Ultimately, I think that helps in every aspect of, of our careers, both on the tech side, but also the organizational and people and leadership side as well. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of, you know, as a, as a leader for me, I've always went through the, I'm trying to hire people who are smarter than me, which actually I've done many times in my career to the point where um, even our zero trust journey started off with one of the architects, my team, who convinced me that this is the path we should go down. And he, he spent a lot of time convincing me on it because maybe I wasn't smart enough. I didn't see the light. Um, but interestingly enough, I mean, I'd say it's, it's pivoted my career um, to the point where, you know, I've landed in Banyan doing my, my CSO job. So, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you've got to look to those around you. And I tell my kids this all the time, which is you can learn anything from anyone if you keep an open mind. Um and and even you know unfortunate homeless people that are on the side of the street you know if you have a conversation with with some of those people you're you're going to find stories and journeys of their lives that that you know you should learn something from it when you have that conversation so 
I, I kind of try and think of of that continually as I go through. And then in the organizations, um, some of the the junior early in career people that I've had conversations with over the years, I've been blown away by just how smart they are, or how well they think, or how well they want to they want to grow themselves. So that that for me is is I keep that in my mind as I as I kind of continue and, and grow in this journey for sure. Yeah. Um, so any any questions for me? I mean, I I I I try and focus all on on the guests and stuff, but sometimes you know if there's any questions for me, I'd love you to throw a curveball my way and try and trip me up somehow. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, I, as a customer of Banya, I know a lot about what the product is is um, good at and what we're currently doing with it. But, you know, where do you see sort of the next frontier in, um, maybe not Banyan specifically, but the next big opportunity in the security world, kind of building on zero trust or moving us, you know, to the next big thing? Awesome, awesome. So we've, you know, internally, we, we talk a lot about SSE and SASE and things of that nature. Um, so we're definitely going down this path. I mean, if you think of it like most, mo not most, but many of the companies out there, they want to centralize and funnel traffic through. They want to inspect packets. You know, we've, we've got a client that sits on your devices, on your, your endpoints. And our belief is that client uh, should be leveraged in a way that enables the endpoint to go directly to the application or service. Now, in the journey of protecting people, which is, you know, we see that as one of our core responsibilities, we're trying to make sure that you can get to an app or service that's in your data center. So that's the remote access piece of it. But then the posture checking, the, the, the device registration, using certificates instead of passwords, that, that side of it is all geared towards protecting and ensuring that the device meets a minimum bar. The backend integrations that we've got with people like CrowdStrike is so that if you do get malware on your device, then you know, CrowdStrike will catch it, we'll cut your session. So, so that is kind of where we are. But to play on that even further, you know, things like URL filtering or blocking threat feeds, so the reality is, is if I get an email and I click that link by mistake, how about we use our technology at the back end to block and prevent you going to something which we know is a bad site? So if we can do things of that nature, that'd be brilliant. The other thing is DLP light. You know, I hate talking about DLP because DLP is a really hard game. But what I do care about is mass exfil of data, right? So if you can imagine um, either a disgruntled employee or, you know, a, a gang that's taken over that device somehow and they're trying to download all the stuff from one of your, your data repositories and they want to move that somewhere else, well, we're still a client on the device. We still have an ability to do something. So, so... I, ideally, the journey is that we take advantage more of the client, and you know that that you know if you look at SSE and the tenant of of what SSE encompasses, for us right now, doing things like the URL, um, DNS, things of that nature, that's a really 
good start. So I I, I know from a roadmap perspective, and, and this isn't a roadmap, you know, roadmap committal here, but I know we are working on that right now, and it's right around the corner. So design partners are welcome to give us a call and get involved and stuff. So all of our customers um, will be able to benefit from from that kind of advancement. So and, and we're very close. So looking forward to that. Yeah, those are super interesting, especially from you know, the sort of um, defense and depth perspective. You know, a lot of us are using, say, Google Workspace, which you know tries its best to you know combat phishing and malware and all that kind of stuff. But having another layer on top of that is just another um, beneficial thing, especially given yeah. how dangerous phishing has been lately. Yeah, and you know, and we keep trying to train our employees out of this, but but the reality is, is you know, you want to do training, you want to raise that awareness and stuff, but but at the same time, these attacks are becoming more complex, and they are, you know, they're they're becoming you know in, increasingly sophisticated, and, and not all employees are brilliant. I, I you know, I'm actually I'm, I'm writing a a blog post right now that will be published in the next couple of weeks. And one of the things I, I've always thought of it is, is like playing Russian roulette. But, you know, we've got like 40,000 or 100,000 or 20,000 employees. As, as the CSO, you're gambling on the fact that you train them all well enough and they're not going to click a link. But the reality is, is it's like playing Russian roulette. At some point, that link's going to get clicked. And at some point, that that person's going to end up on that website, and they're going to get fished. So, so from our our perspective, you know, let's try and let's try and add another layer, like you say, from the defense and depth. Add that other layer to try and prevent that that website, um, you you know, you you landing on it. So, so we're 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 playing around in that space. It's a fun place to be in. Um, when I joined Banyan about a year ago now, it was one of the earlier conversations, you know, that I had at dinner with Giant and Tarun, you know, two of the co-founders, which is, hey, where does the company go next? What's the evolution? Um, and it's it's a fun, it's really, it's really fun, you know, to be in a company that can be nimble, where we can talk about this and then execute really fast. So I do I do love that side of the, of the gig for sure. Um, now, as, as we start to wrap up, Connor, a couple of, couple of things. Um, if you were going to give an, an, an aspiring young technologist one piece of advice for their career um, to get to where you've got, what, what would that be? That's a good question. I'm trying not to just say stay curious and keep learning, as I said that earlier. <laughs> um, Probably what got me the furthest in my career, and I'm saying this as sort of a lifelong Linux nerd, um, was breaking my own systems, fixing them myself, figuring out how to find answers on the internet. And that was in the forums and before that IRC days. It's gotten a lot easier now, and we have a lot more, a lot has changed in the Linux world since the 2.0 kernel and stuff, things like that. Um, but you know, working on your own, working on labs, and there's so many ways to do that nowadays. Um, I think that's some of the best stuff you can do. Awesome. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's funny. So curious, breaking stuff, take, you know, stretching yourself is, is always great. 
And then for me, it was one, all the OSL was building my network, you know, trying to, trying to grow your network. Uh, quite often that means, you know, you're, you're helping others and hopefully when you need help, they're going to replay, re, you know, repay the favor. Um, now I want to, I want to wrap up with one, one, one personal question about, it, it seems as if what I discovered was your, 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 into amateur radio in, in that world is that is that a true statement that is true so what 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 things do you think have, have you've learned during that adventure that translates over to your work and how has that helped so there's sort of a saying sometimes in the amateur world where people say just spin the dial um, this comes into play when you're you know, tuning across the bands and you find somebody transmitting and spewing garbage or something like that because there's it's regulated, but it relies a lot on volunteers to regulate it and it's kind of self-regulated. So you'll find people just spewing random stuff. And the idea is you can just tune past it, move on. Um, you don't need to waste your time or spend your effort combating that necessarily. You certainly can. The way that I translate that into my professional life is really pick your battles. And no matter what sort of domain of IT, security, whatever it is you are, there are going to be a million different things you can do, a million different things you can suggest to another team to do, but not all of them matter and certain things you can just let go. Um, I think it's especially relevant in security where you can be the wolf and tell people that things are on fire every single day when that's really not the case. And then when something is on fire, nobody listens to you. So it's sort of a way to stay sane at work, um, but also make sure you are making a meaningful impact. Yeah, that that's a brilliant, actually, that's a brilliant point to end on because picking picking your battles is is so vital in our business because there's there's just so many that you could jump on top of and in the end maybe there there's too many that are distracting so parking them or waiting until you know situations change um and focus on the ones where you're going to be more successful or more more likely to find willing participants and partners as, as you're trying to still make progress because the reality is you know if if every day we can just make a little bit of progress and continually do that on a daily basis or a weekly basis, then you know we're we're going to improve the the security for the company and the, the experience for the employees. Connor, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for joining. Um, really appreciate your time, and um, love to catch up again in the future. So thank you very much. Thank you too. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Banyan Security and find future episodes of the podcast, please visit us at banyansecurity.io. Special thanks to Urban Punks for providing the music for this episode. You can find their tracks Summer Silk and all their music at urbanpunks.com.